0: So, um, First Prez, um, and I know it as First Prez, but of course it's Greats Commons now, is near and dear to my heart. And so I just want to thank the planning committee for bringing me here. Bringing me here. Um, so, you know, I started you know, in Fishy in 1983 and then you know, was involved. I'm sorry, um, you know, then here are just different posters of different you know, camps and then highlands as well as snow camp and things. Um, so I helped, you know, um, uh, I uh, helped with the, the, the children's choir at the time, and I accompanied for them. I was a member of Salt and Light back in the day when Salt and Light was over 100 members, you know, and so I had, had that rich tradition. Um, and then Rain Richmond and his family, was there? Who remembers Wayne Richmond? Yeah, a lot of us do you know that was before marv crawford came um so i had a great time with them and then i was uh, had a role in one of the musicals that they did and i will say i think that uh, changed my life because i i played a nerd um you know in there um and then but at the same time too i had this fantasy of being the stud which was pretty much my high school career I was a nerd, I was an introvert, I didn't really fit in, but I got this role and I'm like, hey, I could play myself, this is awesome. You know, and so there was a scene in there and I think this is the reason why I love um, my time here at First Press, you know, playing in a role where the girls are just gawking over me. And so that cemented me. It's like, yes, this is the church for me. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So anyway, but, but it was a great experience for me. And I will say that, that First Press has really shaped me to the, be the person who, of who I am today. Um, later in my senior year, uh, Chris Stocker and I, a buddy of mine, we did a concert of some of the material that we've written, uh, just a praise uh, and worship concert, and we're still friends to this day. Now, here's kind of a brief history of my path since um, First Press. Um, and so, so this is kind of showing you know, what happened later on. And one of the things I want you to see is I've always been involved in the church. And I think that's one of the things that I really learned from, um, from my time here at First Press is the idea of giving back you know, and investing and engaging. Those are key you know, elements you know, to a uh, to, to future church ministry. And so you'll notice on just this different list, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but you'll notice that my, I was helping out at different churches in a traditional role, as well as a contemporary role. Um, and so you can kind of see you know, some highlights uh, you know, are, are here, some traditional, again, you know, uh, contemporary, you know, sometimes, you know, both traditional and contemporary, um, uh, and uh, in Texas, you know, I did that there, and then, um, then, you know, Wheaton Evangelical Free Church in Illinois was a traditional and contemporary, you know, and keep in mind, I was an organ major for, um, for a little bit, you know, during one of my, you know, semesters, and so I would play organ at times, too, but at the same time, too, I play guitar. I'm not as good as Joe, but, you know, I did a, you know, chunk around a little bit on guitar, but piano is my main instrument, but was able can navigate both uh, both areas. Um, and so right now, I'm um, actually. Um, let me go back real quick. I'm sorry. Oh no, uh, what did I just do? Okay. So um so the um, right now, I'm actually in the um, uh, a uh, worship leader at a Lutheran church. Um, what just happened, Joe? Oh, I went to the very beginning. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. Well, oh, I got to jump through this. I went the wrong direction. I thought I was going forward. Um, so right now, I lead a, um, a worship at a Lutheran church, and I still play the organ for that Lutheran church, but I also help lead the contemporary service. And so I have a lot of intersections between your traditional and contemporary worship, and I know that's a hotbed issue. You know, I don't know if some of you guys, you know, have your, your boxing gloves, you know, with you, because this is such a passionate issue uh, for a lot of us. Um, so, but I'm, I'm here to, uh, to give you the answer, and um, so your life will be changed within the next seconds. And here's the answer. Wait, oh, I went the wrong way again. Here's the answer. All right, here it is. Oh, dear. Well, that's the point. That's the point. There is no answer, right? There is no answer because it's such a hard issue to solve and things like that. But I will say... Let's do pray about this this year. So bow your heads with me. Dear God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for your love. Lord, thank you for the rain. And Lord, thank you for the people who are here, who are about your kingdom, who want to grow and who want to see the church thrive. And so Lord, just help us to do that as we discuss, um, as we talk. And just share you know, preferences or stylistic preferences, but at the core of it, Lord, we are your children, and th- this is your church. It is not our church. It is your church, and so, Lord, just pray you move us in the direction uh, that would see your uh, will um, and thrive, and we play this in God's name. Amen. Okay, so uh, I understand the debate, so go, go ahead and kind of read, I've got some fun memes just because they're funny, and plus it allows me to catch my breath. So you can see the pastor talking about the two sides. In this corner, you know, we got, you know, Thomas the traditionalist, and in this corner, we've got, you know, Carl, the contemporaryist. you know, in different areas. Then this one. <laughs> and then this. Can you read it? Okay, it's only fair to do this morning. We're going to do heads, it's hymnal, tails, it's, you know, choruses that we're going to be singing. You know, so, um, yeah, the, the debate is, is real. And so this is a quote that I got, you know, online. Traditionalists embrace longstanding rituals and hymns. The underlying universal element to traditionalists is being comfort, both in the sense of comfort and the familiarity of the style of service and in the sense of following the path of their forefathers. This resonates with a lot of us. Having been raised with a tradition church, um, significant deviation seems like a sacrilege. And so that's why a lot of people are like, What? You're bringing drums into worship? Or, you know, as we heard in the uh, previous session, What? You're bringing video into the service? You know, that's a sacrilege, you know. And so, anyway, so, and then, but at the, at the flip side of that, too, you know, contemporary people, you know, find it uninviting because they're not familiar with this tradition. And so it's uninviting to them. Um, and also confining, too. It's confining because it's, it's not their language what, they, uh, what they, they move forward with. On the other side, the contemporary side, contemporary advocates point to a large segment of today's population as being resistant to embrace tradition and therefore being left out of the church experience. So they express their preference for contemporary worship because it is their style that they have. Um, and then also speaking to a younger generation. You know, this, this is nothing new. You know, we all have been through this um, and, and, and um, you know, we all you know, kind of walk the struggle that we have. Some data, this is kind of some sobering data. So a lot you know, of the discussion, we were talking about the different generations and, and are they attending the church? So go and look through this. So this is in 19, 2013, I've got a more recent study, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but 30%, had both traditional and contemporary. 33% only offered contemporary, 19 offered only traditional. And then moving on, 45% of Americans now attend church. I thought this was interesting. To, due to a 10 point drop in the past decade, America is no longer a majority uh, a church attending nation. Six in 10 churches are plateaued or in decline. And this is interesting. We're talking about the different generations. And so this is a study done in 2022 um silent generation baby generation i'm part of generation x the millennials i know this study did not have the data of generation y uh going you know forward it would be interesting to see that the generation that's coming forward now is generation a but do you guys see a trend in these numbers yeah and that's concerning that's really really concerning that's really really concerning and 66 percent of americans um, young adults drop out of church when they become uh, adults, I think one of the other you know, presenters said it's more like 70% and this is particularly concerning to my boys You know, so this is Jackson and Micah. They are in high school right now and right now they don't like church They don't like to go they go because you know mom and dad forced them or they go because we say hey there's gonna be donuts Okay, but Dad, to be clear, I'm only going for the donuts. And I'm like, okay, well, thanks for respecting your me and things, you know. But but that's the issue that we have, and so it breaks my heart. But I'm confident that you know the word will not be, be returned void, and so that's why we we go, and so it'll be interesting to see what they have. So the data is sobering. Okay, so we're gonna kind of exhale a little bit away from this data, and we're gonna tell some jokes, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna poke fun at traditionalists as well as poke fun at contemporary, and I can do that because I've done both. Okay, so that gives me the platform to poke fun so i hope you bear with me and i hope nobody gets offended uh through this but it's fun to sometimes laugh so what's the difference between an organist and a terrorist okay you can negotiate with a terrorist (laughs) right right we saw that this morning pastor jim was like no no that, that one you remember that it happened this morning she was playing the wrong hymn. well you can't negotiate with an organist Okay, so what's the difference between a Yellowstone's Old Faithful geyser and a contemporary worship leader? Old Faithful, no, when's to stop spouting. Ooh, that's, wow. Oh, oh, and you know, I've been there. Sometimes the choruses go on and on. And I was like, didn't we just sing that for the next you know, minute? So sometimes it happens. Anyway, well, I'm poking fun at both sides. So how do you get a choir member to stop singing? You take away their music. Right, and then they don't know what to sing anymore. Well, on, on conversely, how do you get a guitar player in the worship band to stop playing? Yeah, you give them music. Yeah, it has to be sheet music. You know, it can't be chords, and they, they just look at it and they don't know what to do. And, and again, these are general generalizations, but it's kind of fun to poke fun to both sides. So learn three chords on a guitar, I can lead worship. <laughs> or this, how many choir directors does it take to change a light bulb? Nobody knows is jim here Uh, jim is here yeah see he could probably nod his head and go yeah it's true yeah yeah okay so that moment during worship when the lyrics don't change you know we've kind of experienced that so you know haven't you know we're singing the same chorus over and over again this is fun church choir director jim keller knew how to recruit choir participants So so Jim, you got to use this in your uh, your recruitment tool. It's like I don't ever see the outflowing plate. Does it happen? See, yeah, yeah. Count towards your tithe. So I understand the debate. You know, there's common complaints to each side. So they're traditionalists. So the complaints with traditional service is that it's unemotional, it's too cut and dry, or it's reserved. You know, I know I can't. You know, it kind of goes along with the emotions, and I feel constrained. That was in the quote that we saw earlier. Too many words, too many verses. You know, there there have been times, you know, how's that ever happened to you where you're singing a hymn and then you're finished the hymn and I'm like, what did I just say? And you have no idea, you know, uh, because there's so many words and it's so so thick. Um, Irrelevant for today's culture, and that's more stylistically. Um, You know, it has boxy rhythms. We're gonna get into that later on of what that means. What does it mean to be boxy? We'll talk musically in a little bit. And too rigid. Okay, so then the complaints on the contemporary side that some people have is that it's too emotional. You know, you know, you know, it's it's you know too you know based upon emotions and the love of God that I have for me whether I feel His love or not is not based upon emotion and so it's so it's sometimes emotion is it's, the contemporary style is too emotional. Um, there's too much energy. It's too loud. You know, a lot of people bring headphones. You know, you know, you know, with them. You know, some churches even offer headphones. You know, if it is too loud for people, um, not theologically rich. That's another complaint. You know, sometimes the choruses are just, you know, um, over and over and over, and it doesn't have the rich theology of the hymns. Too edgy and irrelevant, um, irreverent for the house of the Lord. And again, that's where we're getting to the idea of, like, bringing electric guitars and basses. Some people are offended by that and think it's sacrilege. Uh, too repetitive, saying the same thing over and over and over. Or hard to sing because some people don't know the melody. You know, you, you know the hymns because you've grown up with them, but you may not know the melody for these. Now, the caveat to all this, let me go back real quick. So the caveat, you know, to all this is, um, is you know, are there, you know, contemporary songs that are rich theologically? Oh, yeah, there are. There are lots of, you know, you know great contemporary songs out there that, that, are, um, that are rich theologically. Are there some traditional songs that are emotional? Heck yeah. You know, there's caveats to both sides, but usually these are the typical complaints that you might see. Do they look familiar to you? Just kind of nod your head. Yeah, you've seen this. But anyway, but there's caveats to all of them that we have, but we'll talk about those in a little bit. So now the praises for each style, so in other words, a traditionalist saying, I love you know, traditional music and here's why. Well, they say they're familiar and it connects with their heritage. It reminds them of their childhood or when they're singing with their grandmother. Um, The awe and respect is through the music. Sometimes on Easter morning, it's awesome to hear the brass play Christ the Lord is risen today because it's so powerful and awe-inspiring. The uh, theologically rich and meaningful hymns are packed full of great theology great theology. Um, the printed music helps people connect with the songs, so they could see the songs. And, and I'm a music educator at my university, and I think it's a travesty that people aren't reading the hymns anymore, because that's a great way to connect music education. And I'm like, oh, I miss that. You know, um, and people don't know how to read music anymore, because the church was the primary uh, vehicle for that. And then the music was relevant to the traditionalists, because they grew up with it. That's what they were singing. Those people who praise contemporary, they praise it as saying, hey, it connects with my heart. That's getting to the emotions. Again, there's a connection there. You know, when, when people are singing the songs, you know, I feel an emotional connection with God. Emotional energy gets me excited for Jesus, and so this is sometimes the drums, and then the energy level, you're coming to church, it's, 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 it's a celebration. Uh, the repetitive, and meditative, and reflective, and so some people love the, the repetition that they have, even though it's the same lyric. Sometimes we sing the lyric, but then it doesn't sink deep, and we sing it again, like, oh, you know, I can sing of his love forever. I can sing of his love forever. Oh, What does this mean to me? And it really sinks in that way. So um, they they like it for that reason. Um, Sometimes they don't, you know, sometimes people feel intimidated with sheet music. And so they like the idea that it's just lyrics that they have in front of them. Um, And also the music is relevant. Now notice music is relevant are on both of them. You know, that's the key, you know. And so, so you know, it's, it's, it's relevant for one because that's what they listen to, it's relevant for the other because that's what they listen to as well. Um, and so, and then there's caveats too, you know, with this, you know, where you can, you know, it could be relevant, you know, for you in terms of uh, listening contemporary, even though you love traditional um, as well. So there's caveats to all of these. Um, so I understand the debate. Um, so I wanna highlight two. So familiar and connects with the heritage and connects with our hearts. Or theologically rich and meaningful, meditative and reflective. Um, I've done a lot of work because I love hymns, but it's at the same time, too, I understand. That they're too boxy, or they're too rigid, or that they're too, you know, uh, um, too uh, constraining. And so what I have done is, you know, throughout my time as a uh, worship pastor, I have gone to hymns before it was cool to do, before Chris Tomlin, you know, made it cool. You know, I said, hey, let's make this more singable. And so I'd love to show some of those with you. But but the thing beyond that, that I want to say is, as I've been a professor at Concordia University, Chicago, and Concordia University, Irvine, that's where I am right now, and these are Lutheran institutions. And holy cow, you know, if I, I thought that the Presbyterians were, were 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 you know you know you know glued to their hymnal. The Lutherans are like on crack. You know that they they love their hymnal. So there's been times you know when you're singing at a Lutheran you know um, hymn. You know I've been at their service and they have nine verses of their song, and I'm like holy cow, and I look at it going, and I'm like surely they're not going to sing all nine, you know, and they do. <laughs> You know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, so you talk about, you know, just singing, and then at, you get th- at the end, you're like, what did I just sing? I have no idea, you know, and so, and, and, and sometimes, too, at Lutheran churches, if you don't sing all nine, that's kind of like equivalent of, of, you know, taking words out of the Bible. You don't do that. You have to sing all nine at good Lutheran churches. And so it's been kind of an eye-opener for me being raised Presbyterian. So they want to sing all nine hymn, uh, nine verses you know, for that. Another thing, too, is sometimes their songs you know, are, are in Phrygian mode. They're in all these church modes. And I know that might not mean uh, uh, anything to you guys. But take a listen to this you know, melody. And this is in the Lutheran uh, hymnal. Uh, but this is a, a song that is in Phrygian mode, and so I'll play it real quick uh, for you guys. So just take a listen. So that's in Phrygian mode, you know, and so it's kind of like, well, it doesn't feel like it's going to resolve because you want to hear it to go to here, but it doesn't. It's this. You know, it has that that tonality. It's like, oh, it's kind of dark and things, and so so it's it's in Phrygian mode. Here's another uh, Lutheran hymn that I, I was asked uh, to. Um, to, uh, to, to, oh, I'm sorry, I was showing the wrong hymn that, that we had. But here's another one that you know, I was asked to do an arrangement to uh, by the university. And here's another one, too, where you look at it, and it's, it's, it's not very emotional. So take a listen to this. Raise your hands if you've heard this hymn. Some people have, yeah. So it's a Christmas one, so it goes like this. Sing it now. Reb, what? Here you go. What hope? And I look at that line and go, okay, you know, led by a little child. Led by a little child. Oh my gosh! Who is this child, and why am I following him? You know, it has that dark sense. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm scared of this child. You know, but but at the same time too. So it's it's minor, and it doesn't really reflect the emotions of it. And so that's the hard thing with these hymns um, underneath. And so uh, I so you guys might know like this hymn. So Rock of Ages, raise your hands if you sung this. Yeah, uh, yeah if you seen it. So let's go and sing that together and, and just, uh, experience it. So one, two, uh, uh, sorry, I had the wrong key. Here we go. Rock of Ages. And so people would say, well, you know, this is boxing, you know, because it's rock, you know, it's it's very metric and things like that. And so what I did, you know, so one Sunday, I changed this to this tune. So take a listen. Just listen to the melody. So let's go try to sing it. You can follow the music. Here we go. Rock of ages, Nevermore the idea of just making it more lyrical and more meditative and more reflective. It's the same melody. It's the same melody, but you'll notice in the other version it was in three, it was a strong three. You know, here it's in, it's in four and we're taking our time with the lyrics to let it flow. But it's the same melody. You know, it follows the same pattern. The rhythm is slightly changed, um, but the, uh, the, the, the tones are the same. Okay, so let's look at another one you know, uh, that we did. So, Blessed Assurance. Uh, so let's look at this. Um, oh, I'm sorry, oh my gosh. I didn't show you the lyrics. Sorry, I'm reading off mine and then it didn't have that there. So here's a uh, uh, Blessed Assurance. Oh, so raise your hands if you sing Blessed Assurance. You guys know this song? So let's go and sing it um, as the, uh, the hymn version that we have. So here we go. Blessed Assurance. Oh, Good, and thanks for following along, even though all the lyrics were not there. I don't know, Larry, if you have the opportunity to advance the slide, but can you do it to this one? So I took this, you know, same, the Blessed Assurance, and then tried to make it uh, dance-like. Um, so Larry's going to advance the slide once we get to the bottom of the page. Can you guys see that? Uh, not really. Well, uh, go and just take a listen to the melody. If you want to sing along, that's fine, uh, but you, uh, just take a listen. Uh, how does it go? Sorry. to the show. I saw Raising my Savior All the day long So anyway, and just make it more of a dance. You know, the idea you know, of making a dance as opposed to, to the real, you know, rigid rhythms that they had. Okay, so another example you know, might include this. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Raise your hands if you've sung this. Yeah, good. A yeah, very, very popular song. So let's go ahead and sing um, this together together. Um, I'm um, so. What, what kind of wash? <laughs> Good, you get the idea. The, get the idea. And so, this is what we did with this one. Um, oh, thank you, sorry, um, Larry, you advanced it. Thank you. Uh, oops. Okay, so there we are. okay so I, um, so we 're going to sing this, so uh, take a listen. Idea. You get the idea. It, it's it's, it's it, you know is reflective, you know in that and just adds some emotion to this. We all know this. So I'm really hesitant about even talking about you know Amazing Grace in the next song that we have. Um, so because it is such a beloved song and we sang it earlier today. You know well, what what could be done with this and so so here's an arrangement that this kind of turns it on its head just a little bit. Um, so go ahead and sing along as we can. So here's the change. So here's maze one two, amen. I'm going to and sing the next verse. so that's just adding a gospel feel, you know, which could be done, you know, and then also changing the chords a little bit. And two, sometimes I notice, too, that the best times of worship that we've had is when there's no instruments at all, and we just hear our voice, you know, especially at the end. It's kind of encouraging hearing the person next to you, you know, sing, you know, their, their praises. And so sometimes, you know, you learn that, that sometimes, you know, more isn't always, you know, better, you know, that sometimes it's great to hear, you know, an acapella. So anyway, so those are just different arrangements that I've done. And so there's some things that I've learned as a worship leader. Um, through the courses of doing you know, in a traditional and also contemporary songs. And um, the things that I've, that I've learned is this. I cannot please everyone. And so just kind of look through these. Okay, So the left you know, says what my mom thinks I do. and you know, Like I'm a, you know, a dance instructor or something. And then this is what the youth think I do. You see the old guy there? The youth think I'm really, really old. But then the next one says what seniors think I do. And you see the rock star, right? So the seniors think I'm really, really you know, too young you know, and things. What my pastor thinks I do you know, is the, the bottom one. What I think I do, you see the guy who's you know, awe and in the moment and reverent and things like that, but the right one is probably how I look. You know, I just, just look goofy and things like that. So that, that, those are the things, but you can't please everybody. And so here are the different arguments that I get. Um, is this working? This isn't working. That's interesting, how, how'd that happen? Oh, there we are. So I can't please anyone. So I've gotten comments before saying, hey, what you're doing is too traditional. And, that, and then later on, through the same service, people say, oh, you know that song was too t- contemporary. Uh, why are you mixing traditional and contemporary? And so there's a lot of people who get upset at me for taking hymns like this and tweaking them. You know, okay, hey, you changed the chord. That's not how we do it and things. And so, um, so you know, at the same time, you're trying to meet a need, but at the same time, people will complain about it. Um, so it's too loud. But then at the converse, there's not enough energy. Uh, Yes, drums. No drums. Light percussion only, please. No percussion at all. You know, I've gotten all those comments. I love the guitars. I hate the guitars. Well, guitars are okay as long as it's not electric. You know, so you've had, you know, things. More organ, less organ. Why in the heck are you playing organ at all? You know, I've gotten every single one of these comments that we have, so on and on and on. So I've learned that I cannot please um, everyone, and so this is what I've kind of, you know, come down to. It's like, I have to be mind, uh, vertically minded. Well, what does that mean? I have to be centered with god you know in terms of my worship that i have and so um you know it says in colossians 3 uh, 17 you know whatever you do whether in word thought uh, or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to the father through him so i'm accountable to god i'm accountable to them and so people you know will complain at the same time but i my heart has to be right to god i'm accountable to him then also too if i'm not worshiping chances are you know, that it's gonna come across. And then, you know, I'm not worshiping, you know, for those, you know, who are in front of me. And so I have to be authentic. I have to be authentic. Um, so other things too, not only being vertically minded, I need to be horizontal, horizontally, um, you know, considerate. So, you know, we're worshiping God, but also we are worshiping God, and so I need to be aware of my congregants. You know, I need to be aware of you in terms of the demographics. Okay, your background, your races, um, your um, you know ethnicity, your age as well. And so you know you you, um, you have to be aware of, of who your audience is, and then you know listen to them. You know and that that's a hard thing too. You know you have to listen to what their their suggestions are. Um, recognize that we have different musical preferences. You know and realizing that that I might change a hymn, and some people might like it, some people like to say, oh that's the coolest thing, but others might get offended. And so it's just navigating those things. And there's a time when the entire service uh, was in Latin. And I don't know if you know this, before Martin Luther, all the service was in Latin. And people came, they didn't speak Latin, but you were, they're supposed to go to church anyway. It wasn't until, really, Martin Luther changed it, saying, hey, we need to have it in the language of the common people. And then printed the Bible in German, so that way the common people could have it. And so think about that change. And I'm sure there were people of the old, old guard who says, oh my gosh, how dare you change it from Latin. What do I mean to the common people? They're changing the way their service should be. Is that any different than maybe us of so what we're kind of the changes we're going through uh, too? Um, and so anyway, so considerations for future discussions. So I've got, you know, some, some you know, ideas for pastors, you know, worship leaders, congregates as well. Um, so pastors, um, you know, gosh, you know, uh, preach the word faithfully, you know, um, preach the word faithfully, and so those of you who are in ministry, leadership, um, you have to hold true to what the gospel says and what is true. Um, it, you know, I, I know there's been a lot of movements, you know, I spoke to somebody at lunch today, um, Bueller, is he here? Anyway, who said, you know, he went to a Flatirons, uh, I didn't, yeah, I know. His name was Bueller, right? Bueller? Bueller, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but he, uh, anyway, but he says that he went to a secret friendly church, I think it was at Flatirons. And he said, yeah, you know, it was secret friendly and it was great and it had a lot of people there, but you no, know, there was no depth. And so eventually, you know, he heard that some people started leaving the church because they didn't minister to the people. There weren't enough ministries there. Um, don't water down the gospel, don't sugarcoat sin you know, um, you know, for our need for repentance. You know, there, there's some churches who say, oh, we shouldn't talk about, you know, a son being born out of an extramarital affair because we don't want them to feel bad. And I'm like, well, it is still sin. We, it's sin is sin, and that's the reason we need God. That's the reason we need grace, you know, because of that. So so don't, don't sugarcoat coat sin. And then also, lastly, you know, just preach Christ. Um, but, you know, for pastors, exactly what we talked about before, being vertically minded, also horizontally considerate too, um, but that at the same time too, sometimes worship pastors, they have the words displayed up here, you know, and sometimes they have the chords here, but if you're not reading music, you don't know what this means, and by the way, I want to kind of pause we'll correct too, um, and this hymn, who recognizes this, this song, this praise song, before the throne of God, do you recognize it now, this is the second verse, Phenomenal, f- phenomenal song. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's pretty popular. It was actually popular back, I think maybe in the, maybe the, the 90s or, or 2000s. Um, but be- before the throne of God, the second verse is this. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him, and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. That's powerful, and theologically phenomenal. Great, you know, and I love the idea for God, he's still just, there has to be a punishment for this, but he's satisfied looking on Christ, and not looking upon my sin. So pretty great theology here. But my point is too, that sometimes you, know, um, you, know, you see words up there or you, you might see chords and, and for those of you who don't read music, this is hard to follow. So some consideration might be for worship leaders or those leading music, put the lyrics up there um, along with the music. So that way those who are used to reading hymns might be able to follow along. Now, this does require a little bit more work. You know, my, me, my go, going to song select and downloading the lyrics and putting them up there and cutting and pasting and formatting. It's so, it's so complicated. It's so tedious and so annoying. But if it reaches those of an older generation, then maybe it's worth it. You know, maybe it's something to consider uh, that you have. And so putting up the, uh, the, the music, you know, might help, you know, those who don't know the song follow along. Um, who knows this song? It's a, it's a song out there, and I want to highlight this one. This is a relatively new song. It's called Brokenness Aside. Anybody sung it before? Okay. So I mean, let's look at the lyrics here. Will your grace run out if I let you down? Holy cow, what a great lyric. How many of us wonder we sin, maybe we're in a habitual sin, and we're like, okay, I've blown it this time. Surely God's going to turn me away. You know, and we, we feel the idea that God's grace is going to run out and he's going to lose patience with us. Well, he doesn't, you know, and that's the whole point of the song. But what a great lyric, and theologically, you know on a uh, spot-on Because um, all I know is how to run I know how to run away from God, you know instead of embracing him because I am a sinner If it's not one thing um, or it's another caught up in the words tangled with lies So, you know the, the idea of like one lie leads to another lie Which leads to another lie because you want to cover yourself and cover your tracks But you are a savior and you take brokenness aside and make it beautiful so he takes our brokenness and makes it beautiful. It's a great picture of the gospel, and that's what God does. So anyway, so my whole point in showing you this is going, here's a modern-day song, I think it was released uh, 2001 or thereabouts, uh, but it has good theology in it. So we can't dismiss all of them. But at the same time, too, you guys have no idea how the melody goes, and, but, and this is having something like this will help us. You know, especially those who, know, who um, may not know the melody, may not be listening to Christian radio, well, this gives us a clue, at least over the direction. And even if you don't read music, you can kind of follow along the melodic contour, the path of where the melody goes. And so this is a suggestion for like, you know, worship pastors. And this is a lot more work, and it's a lot more real estate on, on, you know, on uh, pro presenter to get up there. But at the same time, too, it might be helpful you know, for us, especially if, if we're, we have a demographic who doesn't know the songs so consider um your age the you continent know, so consider adding music to help those who are unfamiliar with modern day songs was the other suggestion and then for congregants and so this is us you know that for congregants you know, who are kind of dealing with you know traditional music and you know in contemporary you know, the balance um number one um we need to love god you know sometimes i think we get so caught up in what we want and in what is right that we forget okay no we need to love God and that's where our focus should be. Um, let's all read this together. So Mark 12:30. Here we go. Love the Lord your with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And if you're loving God with all your strength, you don't have the energy to argue with someone else about stylistically changes because we're loving God. Okay? So that's one thing. And so this is and loving others too. And so here you have people arguing. The way I worship is better than yours well, okay, how are we loving our neighbor here? How are these people truly loving God? But it's sometimes, you know, these emotions run so deep that we feel this way. We feel this way. But at the same time, we need to love others. And so let's look at um, Matthew 22. Let's go and read that together. Love your neighbor. And continue on in Micah 6, 8. Go. Mankind. To act justly. Faithfulness walk humbly with a God and I love that idea walk humbly with a God and it, it being humble means I don't have all the answers you know and or, or being willing to admit that hey I don't know your perspective I don't know what you're going through and so I'm going to be humble and like listen to you as well so I love the idea of walking humbly with the good and then the last one is we are the body of Christ so it's we and us it's not just you or me we are the body of christ and that we all worship differently and not every style of worship ministers to us equally we have to recognize that and that's okay that's okay that's okay um so let's go ahead and read um colossians uh, sorry corinthians 12 together so just as a body And so we can't say to those who like contemporary worship, I don't need you. you know, and then they you know, can't say, oh, we don't need the hymns. You know, we, we need to be considerate of each other. And I really like the idea that, that there should be no division in the body, no division. You know, and so sometimes worship wars feel like a division and they get contentious. And it's, 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 But at the same time with the suffering, if one part of suffers, we all suffer. And so if there is that contention, and we aren't loving each other, we aren't loving God, and there's a contention here, we all suffer, and the church suffers along with that. Um, so let's go ahead, and, um, and so the idea of people go where they are loved. You know, so if people are, are, like, you know, you're looking down at someone because they like the different style of music, well, they probably won't feel invited or, or, or loved here, and so people go where they love. So let's read Proverbs 13 together. A gentle... Good. And then this, a new command I give to you. Love. Yeah, good. And then I saw this quote, and I cited the source there. So as if your heart is in the right place, it really doesn't matter how you worship, only that you worship. We want people who come into, into this church to worship God. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. You know, and so what I love about this too, if your heart is in the right place and that goes on the idea of are we loving God? You know, are, are we being true to him? Are we loving our neighbor you know, as well? You're know, tying those in together. If we're doing that and we're loving God with all of our heart you know, soul and strength, then we're in the right place. you know. Then it doesn't matter how you worship, but that you worship, because we want people to worship God that we have. So um, I kinda went pretty fast you know, through all this thing, but you know, we'd love to, to leave it up to, uh, to questions that you guys might have about my experience or the past. And again, I don't have any answers um, you know, to this because you know, I, know, I know there's a lot of you know caveats that we haven't discussed, uh, but at the same time too, it gets about you know, down to the heart of who we are. And by the way, I wanna say that, that Joe is doing a phenomenal job. He's sitting up there and working on his computer. I mean, give, give a hand to Joe. You know, he's got a great voice, and he's, he's leading you guys really well. So I appreciate you know, his uh, leading worship uh, that they had this morning, too. But yeah, we'd just love, love to open it up for questions that you guys might have. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a microphone so other people can hear. So we're talking about the inter- intergenerational uh, focus. But, there,
1: but, there's a big but here. <laughs> our, church, our church has been talking a lot about the importance of an intergenerational worship service and uh, the blessing that is. But our physical bodies have changes to them as we grow older that were out of control of to a certain degree. And I was sitting with my drummer, brother in law, uh, last Sunday and after worship he said I just it, it's not worshipful to me because of the volume, the the amplification. I, I lose the meaning of the of the words, I can hardly hear them. And he plays the drums and has directed a concert band for 40 years. And I said, well, doesn't, aren't you bothered when you're standing in front of all of that sound? And he said, but it's not amplified. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just saying that in our loving one another, we do have to take in, into consideration um, the changes that are going on in our person, in our body, that makes it harder to, for the older generation.
0: So, so, so you're saying, so your brother-in-law, who actually plays drums, right, had a hard time worshiping because he couldn't hear yes. the, the it, it the was words. a
1: surprise to me. I thought he yeah. would be moved by our yeah. service, and yeah. he said no. Uh,
0: you know, and, and yeah, I mean, so certainly, you know, um, you know, a good, you know, uh, mixers know that, that the vocals are the most important thing you know, for part two. But, you know, so what you're saying is the drums and the, the other music was so yeah. loud that you couldn't hear the And I've also the, heard the that
1: from the senior citizens who are online, who can't leave their institution. I have heard it from them, but it surprised me that I heard it from my yeah. brother-in-law. Yeah,
0: And I, I will say, so so doing uh, worship, leading worship during the pandemic, it's, it was miserable. It's hard, you know, and then some of you guys were in front of a TV and you can't, you know, it's hard to, to engage with the worship, you know, online. You know, and number one, usually we found, our church found that, that, you know, less is more. That a simple guitar and a vocal translate so much better than having a full band over online worship. You know, and so, and so, but at the same time, too, you know, you know, consider your, you know, now that we're back live, and and we do have online streaming, the online mix will not be as good, it's never as good, and maybe that's a good thing, because we want people here in the church, we want them here, you know, as opposed to, you know, because sometimes if you're far away, you're disengaged, or how many of you guys, confession time here, wash dishes while watching the service, I did, (laughs) okay, uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you are a liar, you know, okay, or, you know, folded laundry or did some sort of other task, you know, so I did. But, yeah, but it's, yeah, so it's about engagement, you know, and so listening. So, I mean, don't be afraid to say, you know, to the, to the, maybe the sound engineer saying, hey, I had a hard time hearing the vocals, you know, or it'd be great if, you know, you know, or let the worship leader know saying, hey, you know, you know, I can't hear the song, I can't hear the melody because the drums are too loud or something. So, I mean, but, you know, because I think we all need feedback. You know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's funny, though, as a worship pastor, you know, I've had people who say, you know, in the same time, I can't hear the lyrics. And then that same service, someone says, yeah, it'd be great if the guitars were turned up more, you know, the, the vocals were too loud. And it's like, what do you do? You know, you know, and so this goes back to the thing, you know, it's hard to make everybody happy, but, you know, but communicate, you know, you know if, it, if it's hard, then, then communicate. You know, because I think the worst thing we could do is just be disgruntled on our side and, you know, and just grumble about it, you know. So, yeah, so that's not really an answer, but yeah. Is there another question? Yeah. Yeah, you got it, okay, thanks. Yeah, it's good to pass around the mics so that we all could hear as well. Anybody else have a question while we're getting this one? I'm just so grateful that Kent can run. <laughs> Um, uh, earlier you put up some stats, uh, about 2013, the mix of churches doing worship and you mentioned you were going to come back to that. I don't know if you had the, like a more updated. Oh, you know? um, I, I did show a study from 2022 that I was referencing. Oh, okay. Um, and, but it didn't include all the stats that I wanted to, and, and I didn't have time to, to get, you know, to, to see what those are in no. terms okay. of the, 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 the intergenerational, you know, numbers are. So, yeah. So I did show another study of 2022. Um, but, but it was a little bit different study to have all the, yeah, the category. data. So then the second question that I had was, um, you know, we have the original categories where churches trying to do both types of worship, which we try to do. And usually we've done that in two different services. Right. And recently over the summer, we were putting them t- together in the same service. How many churches do you know are attempting that strategy? Yeah, and so it's, it's tough. And so I went through a church where we had two different services, and we're like, okay, let's put it together and blend them, you know. And so what ended up happening is, you know, n- you know, neither side was happy because it wasn't traditional enough, or it wasn't contemporary enough because you know we had the, the two things, and it was hard. And so it's a culture shift, you know, that the church decide we're going to be intentional and in making this shift there's gonna be some growing pains you know, as we go through. And so, so we went through that as a church. Some people left at the same time too. Some people came you know, and, and liked the changes. Um, and so, so it, yeah, that, that's hard. But I will say it's interesting. So I saw uh, you know, in, in doing some of my research, people were saying, hey, we got a traditional, we have a contemporary, and now we're gonna launch bluegrass. You know and 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 i was like well wow you know what it does i think in my opinion and this is just my opinion i think having different ser- uh, different um services it segregates the segregate segregates segregate segregate thank you segregates the um the, the the congregation you know this is my service okay that's their service oh my gosh they're so loud they're, you know, they're noisy when i'm in sunday school you know you know and then but and so it just it builds disunity and so now if we are the body you know, then, you know, then, you know, should, you know, you know, it'd be good to come together. And so, but that's my opinion, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I'm in a favor of bringing the congregation together. But doing that brings growing chains, you know, growing pains, you know, because it's, it's hard, because how do you do it? You know, how do you mix all those together? And, you know, and, and so that's why my attempt on bringing, you know, uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus, we're singing a hymn that's dearly loved, but we're doing it in a style that is relatable to others. And so that's why I tried to bridge that gap in our blended service. And that's why I spent a lot of time. And then you have other things like um, 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 songs, My Chains Are Gone, you know, by, by Chris Tomlin, you know, which uses the song Amazing Grace, and then he puts a chorus to it. And so there's some, there's, um, and again, you know, some people are like, oh, how dare you do that? That's sacrilege. You're taking Amazing Grace, which stands on its own, but you're adding a chorus to it. But, you know, at the same time, too, it's like, well, you know, they're just trying to blend these two thing, things together and so some people get a, a, up in arms about it and some people think oh it's a great idea so it's 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 hard you know and that's why i had the blank slide slide up there the answer is you know you know i don't know you know and so we're going through that so yeah there's there's growing pains you know whenever church makes those transitions you know and so and that's where it's the humbleness of being you know walk humbly with the lord going okay well i like it my way but you are the future of the church okay you know, you know, let me try to learn the song. But it makes it easier you know, if you're able to see the lyrics. You know, if you're able to read, you know, the, 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 the see the melody, you know, as well, you know, and, and follow along, it makes it more engaging, you know, for them, um, so, uh, so that's, yeah, but that, that's my opinion, that I, I do prefer, you know, blended services because it brings the body together. Yeah, uh, other questions or thoughts? Yeah, let me grab a microphone. Check on two.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. And was just wondering if uh, you're thinking of doing a hymn book with some of the arrangements. Oh, wow. Okay. Or, you know, uh, pulling some from other people who've done arrangements. I just think they're so yeah. inviting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. And it's fun to, and it's, it's fresh to hear a song that you know done in a different way, like, oh, that's. You know, it, it, it adds to it. And again, you know, not everybody was happy that I did that because I took a familiar hymn and changed it, you know. And so some people are like, oh, how dare you mess with it. But some people are like really embracing of it, you know. so, And, and I think what's really good about that, too, is, is I had someone in my congregation come up and go, wow, that was a really neat song, you know. Did Chris Tomlin write that? I'm like, "Well, oh, no. It was written by, you know, in the, you know back in the 1800s. They're like, what? In the 1800s? And so that was a great opportunity for me to go, yeah, it's called a hymn. You know, you know, you know here, here it is in show. And so, but, it was, but, but at the same time, too, those lyrics communicated something to them, and it connected with them musically enough for them to say, hey, what is this? You know, what are those words? You know, my favorite hymn, you know, come the fount, come the fount of, you know, um, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Prone to wander, you know, Lord, um, uh, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. I mean, that describes the sinner's plight right there. Um, so phenomenal, you know, lyrics, you know, within that. But again, someone took that hymn, Come the Fount, and then added, you know, a chorus to it too, which, um, which is another way just to com- kind of bridge this gap as well. Any other thoughts? Just about five minutes. Five minutes? okay so we're wrapping up questions anyone else with a question i'd be happy to talk to you you know individually i think there's a choir session tomorrow um that i'll be there and can we can dive into more of this as you have questions so yeah just one yeah another question
1: this is a little bit outside of what we're trying to do here but hearing that it's hard for your children to go to church how do you have any ideas on how that's going to be bridged i know that there's one other person that to know the answer to that.
0: So I, I didn't hear the question.
1: The, the point is, how are you going to reach the, like your own children so that they want to come?
0: Um, so I think with my kids, they recognize that going to church is not an option. You are going to go and I realize you're going to fight me and yes, we'll put incentives. There's a donut at church. We'll go to get burgers afterwards, you know, but this is what we do. And I think it's the type of thing that they will look back and going, oh, there's value there. And our church is great because the pastor is goofy. Um, and, and he, you know, tells a joke of the day, and but but he preaches the gospel, and he just talks about sin, and I talk to, ki- to talk about sin to the, my kids' life, and saying, hey, you know, you might have a struggle with this, or you know, there are teenage boys, okay, they, you know, guys, you know, how you doing on pornography? You know, it's, it's a real thing. You know, what, what, what is the struggle there? And recognizing too, it's like I'm a guy, you know, I, I understand that struggle. At the same time, too, praise God for Jesus. Praise God for Jesus. You know, and so I always point them in that direction, and I think those are things that stay with them of reminding them, so I, I have a feeling that in college they be like, okay, I'm on my own I don't have to go to church but I, I kind of miss it, you know, so, so I have a feeling that these seeds, you know, I just have to, you know, believe that the word pl- planted will not return void with them but it breaks my heart because, you know, have they said the sinner's prayer, or have they given their lives to God, no, they haven't you know, and, but it's not my job as a dad to force them, you know, um, and again you know, they don't come to Jesus, Jesus comes to them, so I just gotta pray I gotta pray for them